Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are doing amazing and that your 2019 is off to an epic start. And if you have been hitting the gym and you've got a new workout routine that you're starting for this year, I have a really quick circuit that I love doing. I just did it this morning. And it's just a really great way to move my body and burn those calories and lift some weights and just feel really good and feel energized and sort of ready to kickstart my day. And what I do is when I'm strapped for time, I pick like five to six different exercises and then I repeat them and I do as many rounds as possible in a good 30 to 40 minutes. So for example, today was 10 reps of you know squats. So I did squats and I do use weights. So I use dumbbells. I hold them up at my shoulders. I did so weighted squats, 10 reps, and then I do kettlebell swings, 10 reps, some deadlifts, 10 reps, push-ups, 10 reps, and then bicep curls, and then tricep dips. So everything for 10 reps. And then I just repeat as many times as possible and see how many rounds I can get in for a good 30 to 40 minutes. And it's honestly just a really great workout that works out your entire body and it's so energizing and you get to, you know, get in a great workout in a short amount of time. So you can definitely get through probably a good four to five rounds in 30 minutes if you feel strapped for time and you don't really need a lot of weights to do it. So even if you have a kettlebell, that's going to be great. I always have a kettlebell on hand. We've got two kettlebells here that we keep at home and they're always great to just reach for when you need to do a quick workout routine. And if you are thinking that you want to get some weights for home, I definitely recommend kettlebells because you can just get one good heavy one and you can do a ton of exercises with it and do some really great full body exercises. So outside of that, our registration is closing really soon for the Metabolic Reset Program. So it's closing in just two more days. We are almost at our capacity and I'm really excited to guide women all over the globe through our high fat, low carb approach to losing weight and balancing hormones. We are eliminating those inflammatory grains and gluten, increasing the healthy fats and resetting your insulin and your cortisol so that you can lose weight and keep it off. This is about sustainability. It's one thing to go on any diet program, but it's another thing to eat in a way that truly nourishes your body and sustains you. So this is a high fat, whole food foods approach to really balancing your body. If you have thyroid issues, if you have autoimmune, if you have 20, 30, 40 plus pounds to lose, PMS, diabetes, PCOS, this is hands down the program that's really going to help you address all those issues and start feeling vibrant and energized and truly living your best life. If you have any questions about it, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can send me an email, samantha at holisticwellness.ca, or of course, send me any questions over on Instagram at holisticwellnessfoodie. Really excited to kickstart our program and guide more women through the 12 weeks and get more amazing testimonials and before and afters. So if you are ready to become our next before and after then come join us and learn more about the Metabolic Reset Program at holisticwellness.ca forward slash the Metabolic Reset Program. All right. So today we are diving into menopause and it will be the first of many menopause episodes as there's so much to cover when it comes to menopause. As our hormones start to decline, there is just you know, so much to talk about and so many symptoms that show up. And so we will definitely be having this conversation multiple times, but I'm really excited to dive into it today with Maria Claps. She is a certified health coach, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and a mom to four grown boys. After receiving inadequate healthcare that did nothing to address her perimenopause problems, Maria enrolled in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in order to help herself. After that, Maria pursued several hormone-centric trainings, including Dr. Sarah Gottfried's Hormone Practitioner Training Program, the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program, and she also trained with hormone scholar and scientist Dr. Lindsay Berkson. 
Maria helps women all over the world as a perimenopause and menopause mentor and is also a Dutch hormone test expert. When she's not working with clients, she can be found at the farmer's market or in the kitchen creating recipes. So we dive into so much goodness in today's episode. You know, why our hormones are declining after age 35? What can we do about the weight gain that comes on during menopause as well as all of the menopausal symptoms that show up? We talk about how we can actually thrive in menopause and how exercise and adrenal health and liver detox and a nutrient-dense diet plays a really important role. And we also talk about bioidentical hormone intervention and how inflammation plays a role with menopause. You're going to love this episode and I'm really excited to dive in with Maria Claps. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. I'm really excited to dive into our conversation today. And before we do, I'd love it if you can share with our audience more about you and what you do. Samantha, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we could find a time to make this work. I am a certified health coach and I have functional medicine training. I don't like to use the word functional medicine specialist because I feel like that's reserved for people who are physicians and stuff like that. But I do have some training in that area, specifically as relates to menopause and perimenopause and Dutch testing and gut health testing. And I've done several trainings that are actually for physicians only, the menopause method with Dr. David Rosensweet. I audited that course. I've done several other hormone-centric trainings. I have a functional medicine mentor. She's like the grandma of functional medicine. She's been doing it for 47 years. So she's my mentor and that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I read a little bit on your website that you started getting more into the functional and integrative medicine world because of your own health issues. And at, I think around age 40, you started to experience a lot of perimenopausal symptoms and whatnot. So I would love it if you can share with us what that was like and what were the shifts and the changes that you were going through with your health. Absolutely, because it really kind of just launched me into a, a new me, so to speak. It was a little difficult at first, and I, I think it was somewhere between 40 and 42, and I couldn't sleep, and I was gaining weight, and I was moody, and I just like wasn't the happy me anymore, and I was like, I know my body pretty well. I know it a lot better now, but I still knew my body pretty well, and I knew something was amiss. I knew something was askew. I had always been holistically minded. I wouldn't say my parents were hippies, but they were definitely like kind of embodied living simply and good home cooked food and don't go to the doctor for every little sniffle and cough. So I said, I'm not going to go to the corner doctor, primary care physician here in my town because lovely person, but he's just a prescription mill. And that's just the truth. I love him. He's so affable, but that's all he does is write prescriptions. So I said, I'm going to truck into New York City because I'm not too far away from Manhattan. And I'm going to see a multi-published, holistic, integrative medical doctor. We're going to partner together and he's going to get me through this. And Samantha, he put me on a truckload of supplements, hormones, asked me, by the way, just so you know how desperate I was, this visit was the day after Christmas in New York City. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Day after Christmas in New York City. I get to the holistic and integrative medical center. And one of the first things I was asked was, do I want a flu shot? I'm like, no, <laughs> it should have been a red flag. For sure. <laughs> All right, I'm here so you can help me like figure out what's going on with my body, perimenopause, PMS, periods are wonky. Anyway, long story short, wanted to put me on a Boniva, which is a bone health drug, which can cause like your jaw to crack. It's called necrosis of the jaw. And, you know, he got me out of a hole, but he did not teach me what was going on. There was no coaching. There was no, let's do this because it was very, very, very expensive. And, you know, it just kind of, it was surface. It was surface and then some, like it was probably better than going and just getting a prescription from the corner right. general practitioner, but like didn't put me in a place of empowerment. And I knew that there had to be something better. I was like, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm searching for the answer. And it was then that I went back to school and educated myself 
on all things perimenopause, menopause, PMS, changing bodies, hormones, all that stuff. That's amazing. And so I know that there's many women listening right now that are like, what did you do? What did she implement? I want to be there. I want to feel that way. And so I'm really excited that we're having this conversation about menopause today because I know many women that are listening are struggling. And so I think a really great place to start would be really diving into the hormone shifts that start to happen, the shifts and the changes that really happen as we head into those perimenopausal years. Yeah. So perimenopause is just the time that kind of precedes menopause and it's different for every woman. I don't think there's a really technical medical description or even diagnosis. I'm almost positive there's no diagnosis for it. For me, perimenopause is like the clarion sign is going to be shifting periods. And if your periods are shifting and you're in your 30s, it's most likely not perimenopause. It's stress or maybe, you know, you're over-exercising or something like that. But if you're 42, 43, 44, and your periods are starting to shift around, that is most likely. That's perimenopause. And it's normal and it's natural. It's a little bit unnerving for some women. I can't tell you how many clients I have that say, I'm getting a pregnancy test. I'm like laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm just kind of chuckling and I'm thinking, because I I had this happen recently. I see their hormone test results and we're waiting for the consult. And she's like, I'm doing a pregnancy test. I'm like, go ahead, do it. I I told her, I said, these results actually look more like menopause, but if it's going to make you feel better, go ahead and do that pregnancy test. So yeah, women don't realize that their period shifts and most of the time, it's not due to pregnancy. It can be, right? Right. But most of the times, I mean, the funny thing was this woman's husband even had a vasectomy and she was still thinking that, <laughs> yeah, it was very cute. Now we together had a good laugh about it. But yeah, so shifting periods, sometimes anxiety is a massive major red flag for perimenopause. And that's really primarily because the hormone that has dropped is progesterone. And progesterone is a really calming, soothing, anti-anxiety hormone. And not everyone feels that. It really depends on our genetic sensitivity to the levels of progesterone we have in our body. But it is very, very common. And so when you say shifting periods, can this mean longer cycles, shorter cycles, heavier cycles? What does that typically look like? Yeah. So what it can be is like, so you have a period and then let's say you're, you're the textbook normal 27, 28 day cycle. And then all of a sudden you go to 36 days, right? And then two weeks later you get a period. Right. And then you skip three months and then you get a period. And then here's a little pearl for a takeaway is that if your period starts coming regularly close together, like 21 days or less, so 20 days, 19 days, 18 days, that's a cause for concern. A woman definitely needs to visit her gynecologist to just rule out you know, endometrial buildup at that point. But you know, if it happens every here and there, that's fine. But you know, if you're on like a two-week cycle and you're getting your period every two weeks, please see your doctor. That's super important. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. And so can we, and is it possible, or what are actually the strategies to really get ahead of menopause? You know, what are some of these steps that we really want to have in place so that we can go through this transition with more ease and more grace and more flow? Yeah, that's a great question. And I I wish I would have known this 10 years ago because <laughs> right. So I visited the doctor in New York City. We'll say it was about age 42 by 47 fully menopausal. Now that's not early menopause by any means. Early menopause would be like between age 40 and 45. Premature menopause also called ovarian failure is going to be prior to age 40. But 47 is a slightly, you know, slightly shy of the natural age of menopause which is 51. And I think my menopause happened at about age 47, basically due to stress and toxicity. So taking the 40s seriously and, you know, not making it like a grave concern, but taking the 40s seriously and making sure that you're eating nutrient-dense food and 
maybe more as important, if not more important, is really learn to get in touch with your own body and have some type of stress relieving practice. Whatever it is that floats your boat, whether it is walking in nature, meditation, prayer, there's got to be some self-love for your body, for yourself, because stress, it's at the root of everything in terms of physiology that, you know, it just disrupts our physiology in terms of our stress hormones. So, you know, when we speak about hormones, a lot of us think in terms of, you know, the estrogen and the progesterone and the testosterone. Well, I would say the two forgotten hormones, again, so now we're talking about women moving into menopause. One is cortisol. And, you know, everyone wants to hate on cortisol. It's super important. You would actually be dead without cortisol. Right. You could probably live without thyroid hormone. You couldn't get out of bed, but you could live without it, but you could not live without cortisol. So making sure like it's not too high or too low is super important. And you really just do that by, you know, respecting your body's rhythms, getting your sun in the morning, getting adequate sleep, eating nutrient dense food, the things that take like a little bit of work. (laughs) It's not like popping a supplement. The basics, right? The stuff that doesn't really cost too much. It's crucial. It's so funny that you're saying this. And I'm sure there are so many women like rolling their eyes right now because I can only imagine how many times I've said this on the podcast, the foundational thing. So I love that majority of my guests also say the same thing because it really is so important. We have to have these lifestyle and foundational things in place. And they make such a huge difference when it comes to hormonal health. And I also think they're also those things because it's not so tangible, it's hard to implement. So many women are like, well, I don't have time to get up in the morning. Like, how am I going to get outside and like see the sun in the middle of the winter? Or that is a challenge. (laughs) Yes, that's a huge challenge. And it's what I say to myself because I live in cold Toronto winters, but still I try to make it a priority to expose myself to the sun as much as I possibly can, even if it's like minus 20 outside. Oh, wow. You're a better woman than I. And and just so people know what we're talking about. So one of the things I see a lot is a really depleted low cortisol state. And so when I say people should get sun in the morning, that's because sun goes into the optic nerve that goes into the brain and that then the brain tells the adrenals to make their hormone the primary one, which is cortisol. And you know, cortisol in the right amount, it's anti-inflammatory, it's kind of energizing. So you, you really need like good, robust amounts of cortisol and it is naturally highest in the morning. So it's high when the sun is high and it typically it should be low when the sun is low. So yeah, for people that do have low cortisol, getting sun in the morning is it's almost like a treatment. I love that. So much so a plan on escaping my northern winter for as many yep. times as possible. Because <laughs> I actually do have low cortisol. And so the sun and yeah, your morning routine is probably so important to you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's awesome. And so I was creeping your your Instagram profile and I actually saw you write something about low cortisol and adrenal fatigue. So I'm glad we were able to kind of get into that. And so from a food perspective, because I'd love to get your intake on this, you know, what do you feel from a dietary perspective is really optimal for women? And does it shift based on our ages? Is there something that is more crucial that we have to include as we start aging? You know, what does that look like? Yeah, so a healthy diet is a healthy diet throughout the lifespan. However, there are some functional foods that women can add in to kind of actually boost their hormone levels. So as we're going into menopause, if we're in perimenopause, estrogen is shifting and just like up one month, down, up, down. Progesterone is probably low. But when we've crossed over into menopause, hormones are pretty low. I am a huge fan of supplementing lost hormones. I can't actually do that because I'm not a physician, but I educate on that. Not every woman wants to do that, but we can do some foods that are like hormonal stand-ins and that would be fermented 
organic soy. And I know soy is sort of like you could have 20 nutritionists in a room and 10 would be virulently against it and 10 you know, would be for it. I'm in the for camp as long as you source it really carefully. So that's a really strong phytoestrogen. And one of the isoflavones in soy, genistein, actually can exert really positive influences on genetics to make what's called the good or at least neutral type of estrogen, which is 2-hydroxyestrone. Soy can be a great stand-in. Flax, oncologists typically tell their patients, their breast cancer patients, not to have flax. I think that, you know, they're they're good at their job in terms of like getting the cancer out and doing the surgery. I don't really think most of them are nutritionally up to date, but flax can actually be breast protective. Again, it's one of our stronger phyto or plant estrogens. So that could be really helpful. You have to have a considerable amount. So like you're looking at two tablespoons daily, you know, it's going to make your smoothie pretty thick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And freshly ground as well. I always Ideally. like, yes. Ideally. Yes. Right. And then there's pomegranate. So I love to take pomegranates in season and put them on salad. So that's really healthy as well. So those are like the three main functional foods that come to mind when hormone, sex hormone levels have really bottomed out. Those may be really helpful. And so going back to the soy, is there a specific amount that you recommend somebody eat in a week? You know, what if somebody's eating soy or tofu every single day? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So my favorite would be in terms of a varied diet, especially for our, our microbiome, super important that we just don't eat the same foods over again, over and over again. Right. I tell myself that with avocados because I probably have them every single day. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know what the therapeutic amounts are for soy, but I just think a general rule of thumb is maybe like twice a week get some miso. So the only forms of soy that I use because they're readily available and I can get them high quality and organic would be miso and tempeh. And tempeh is like a pressed soybean cake. For some people, a bit of a taste adjustment, but I marinate it and I pan fry it. It's uh, also beneficially super low in carbs, high in protein, and it is fermented. It makes it easier, you know, for us to digest. It's less potentially problematic for the thyroid. So I would say twice a week is probably just a good basic recommendation. Okay. Good to know. And so you mentioned supplementing with hormones. So I'd love to dive into this and dive into bioidenticals and when you think it might be the right time to do this intervention and, and what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, that's great. I'm still studying this myself. There is a school of thought. And just so you know, this is controversial, but I actually believe that for most women, and again, obviously, I don't want you like you or I getting any hate mail saying anything, you know, this is really like your final decision and everyone's bio-individual, but I personally feel that it's safer to age with hormones than not taking any hormones. And the school of thought, because of the really misreported information coming out of the Women's Health Initiative trials in 2002, was like, oh, you know, hormones are dangerous, but there's, we could talk about relative risk versus absolute risk, but it gets a little statistically boring. <laughs> right. Talking about statistics, but so best time to start actually according to the most recent literature is right away. Like as soon as you go into menopause, maybe even late stages of perimenopause. And that's because specifically because if you get the hormones on board soon enough, it can really maintain cognitive health. And you know, a lot of women I speak to, they just feel fuzzy, you know, just not remembering things as well. So estrogen actually maintains like the dendritic spines of, of our neurons and really animates the brain. So I think it's a really important conversation. We talk about like birth control, like how women need informed consent about the potential harms of synthetic birth control, like the pill and the morena. But I think we're not having the discussion about informed consent at around age 50 or 48 or 52, but just around the time of those changes. You know, women are, sometimes they're actually offered the morena, which is a synthetic progesterone, which is like really 
pretty bad news. Right. American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists say that women can actually be on their birth control up until age 55. It's crazy. Right. In other words, you could go into menopause. Natural age of menopause in the Western world is 51. So you could go into menopause at 51. You could continue to be on that birth control for four more years. You will be in such bad shape. You know, you just don't know if you're in menopause. You don't know how to support yourself. You know, menopausal women have such higher incidences of frozen shoulder. And that's because the joints need estrogen and birth control is going to really flatten your own body's estrogen. Plus you're losing it anyway, naturally. So not great advice. I think there's a lack of informed consent. So my goal is really to educate women, to help them advocate for themselves. And then if they want that prescription, then, you know, they know the best forms they know what they can do, and then they have a really educated discussion with their physician. Absolutely. And I love that. I mean, I'm 35 years old and I have Hashimoto's and my estrogen is so low and it's been now close to two years where it hasn't gone up. So I've done as much intervention as I possibly can to get to boost it up. And still it's really, really low. So now I'm at that point where I'm starting to dive into potentially introducing some bioidenticals. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And you know, in your thirties that like estrogen is fluctuating. So hopefully yes. when you're testing, you're testing in the in luteal phase. Yes, absolutely. Day 20, day 21. Or that's actually more for progesterone, but you know, estrogen does Really, it has like peaks and valleys throughout the cycle. But I'm, I'm sure if you're working with someone, you know that. Yeah, even doing the Dutch test or the the cycle mapping. Oh, yes, good test. For me. Yeah, okay. so I've been thinking about, I'm just going to do that first so I can get a better indication and then that will give me some better answers. That's a perfect test for you. I don't use that a lot with clients, but because you, you have to fit into like a pretty narrow reasons why. Yep. For you, that would be great. Awesome. And so speaking of the Dutch test, I know that you are a fan of it and you use it in your practice. And so what are some of the things that you are looking for when testing women? Yeah. So I do work with a lot of women that are say mid forties to like mid fifties, because that is when, that is when the poop is going down. (laughs) I don't know if you have to edit out that word, but no, not at all. I'm trying to keep it PG here, but that is when the you know, when stuff is happening, you can say what you need to say. (laughs) It's all good. I'm pretty PG. I'm pretty PG. So they're just not feeling like themselves. They're just like feeling, you know, just a little bit more tired, you know, libido has kind of packed up and left and they want it back or their partner wants it back, you know, (laughs) and you know, they're putting on weight is definitely sometimes an issue. And it's just like this general lack of just feeling of like what's happening to me. So what the Dutch test can check for is what's your progesterone level? Has that dropped? Because once that drops, when it drops, it's never coming back. Never. And then, you know, what's your estrogen like? Not so much the absolute amount of estrogen, but what's your body doing with that estrogen? How are you metabolizing it? Are you metabolizing it safely? Because estrogen is a bit of a misnomer. There are many, many different estrogenic molecules in the body. So we want to make sure that we're we're making the really safe, or at least it's considered neutral type of estrogen. We're also looking at cortisol. What are your cortisol levels? Are they high at night? Is that why you can't sleep? Because your cortisol is high at night? That's mostly a lifestyle fix. You know, now, thankfully, we can check levels of B6 and B12. B12 is super important for neurological health. B6 is the woman's B vitamin, so to speak. We can look at melatonin and so many more things. I just gave you the highlights. And here's the great thing about this. Unlike your standard blood work, which is good, everyone should get their standard annual blood work and have someone look at it in the functional medicine range, not just the, oh, your liver enzymes are a little bit high. We'll just watch those. Right. (laughs) Look at it, you know, with more of a magnifying glass. But the great thing about the Dutch test is that if you're making the bad estrogen, which is called 4-hydroxyestrone, 4-hydroxyestradiol, we can change that. Like it's pretty easy to change with the right supplements and the right food. 
So it's not like, oh, you have bad liver enzymes or whatever, or you have bad estrogen, we'll just watch it. No, 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 we do a three-month protocol, we retest, and I've seen changes. And you know, that specific marker, it's a cancer risk if you're making bad estrogen. Yes, absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why I love the Dutch test. And I can just think of a client that comes to mind right now who had really high amounts of bad estrogen. And when you do her health history, there was breast cancer in the family, ovarian cancer. So her protocol shifted from initially her just wanting to come in for just optimizing her health and weight, but it really shifted to something that was more pre-cancer preventative. Beautiful. It's very, very empowering, especially yes. when, when someone like you or I, or just another practitioner who really understands the test can explain it to women and, and again, give a lifestyle protocol. It really puts women in the driver's seat of their health and they, they feel great about that. Absolutely. And so going back to Instagram, because I was creeping you over there, you had this post that said menopause, chronic low level inflammation. Can you expand on this? Yeah. Menopause. I knew it was going to be super controversial. I have some heavy hitters that would back me up in terms of, <laughs> in terms of physicians that lecture widely and, and publish. Menopause is a, in and of itself a state of inflammation, chronic low-level inflammation. And that's because menopause shifts us into Oh man, I needed to review my notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think it's the Th1 dominant, you know, immune system which can put us more into an inflammatory state. So please, it's either Th1 or Th2, but I don't know the specifics offhand. But absolutely, so typically menopausal women will have higher high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. So. There have been certain authors in our culture that want to say, yay, menopause is awesome. You know, it's a powerful time for women and it's hot flashes or not hot flashes, they're power surges. Okay, so I'm menopausal for three years now and I'm just going to say that it's primarily BS. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. It doesn't mean that you give up and you do nothing and you give in to societal norms about being like libido-less and fat, menopause is a menopause belly. I work diligently on my health, so I don't have any of those issues. I had some issues, believe me. I had a big struggle to go through, but I'm at a great weight. And let me kind of dip into weight just a little bit because we know weight can be inflammation. You will gain weight in menopause. You will gain some weight. I had a lovely client. She was about my age at menopause. She was 47, super fit, super healthy eater. And she's like, I'm packing five extra pounds and I don't like it. And, you know, we did a little bit of work together, but like, I mean, I could tell just by looking at her super fit and I had to be the one that to break the news to her, you're like five pounds girl, you are good. Totally. (laughs) Totally. So my philosophy is like from say about age 35, whatever weight you are now, right. To when you're menopausal, don't let that be more than 10 pounds. If you are 10 pounds or less, you're golden. But it's like the women that tell me, Oh man, I gained like 20 pounds in one year. No, no, no. Something's going on. Right. Something is going on at that point. Yeah. But yeah, so it it is definitely a state of inflammation. And, you know, most people don't want to hear that. But from a physiological perspective, it is an inflamed state. And, you know, women can correct that with hormone therapy. I mean, that's not the only thing. Obviously, hormones don't work. And if you're eating bad food and you're drinking way too much alcohol, you're not sleeping. Like those don't bother doing hormones. It's a whole package. Right. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay. So there's a lot of things that you mentioned there that I want to dive into. So immune health, then do you recommend supporting the immune system at the same time as supporting menopause? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that we can always support immune health because our immune system, think about it, you know, it's immune system misfires are why there's Hashimoto's and cancer and inflammation and all that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. 
And then I'm so glad you dove into the weight because I had a question here. Why am I gaining weight as I age? It's a common question I hear all the time. So we do, we covered that one. And then alcohol. I love that you brought this up. So what are your views on alcohol? Do you recommend women cut it out completely? What is the detriment of drinking alcohol? Let's dive into that. So alcohol, if you drink too much of it, can raise estrogen. And you know, for women... I believe the recommendations are, you know, like wine would be, I think wine is typically a four ounce pour. I don't know, like everything's different. Like beer, you could have this, you know, shots or, you know, spirits, you could have this, but let's just kind of keep the, the talk to wine. Like four ounces or less once per day. I personally think that's just too much. I think it should be more of an occasional treat. Right. If you are working on your gut health, if you are working on balancing your hormones, your estrogen, your insulin, I just don't think a daily glass of wine is all that healthy. Now, the thought is, is that alcohol might actually keep your vessels healthy. It might be healthy for the heart, but you know, there's like risks and benefits. There's this risk to reward ratio, like what's more important. Right. So, you know, there are certainly other ways to keep your heart healthy. <laughs> you don't have to do the alcohol to keep your heart healthy. Right. You can exercise. And I'm not a killjoy. I mean, like I just got back from Italy and I pretty much ate and drank everything and anything I wanted. Right. But I think that there's times in our lives where, you know what, it's what we're mid-November now maybe go up until Christmas without alcohol and then, you know, enjoy yourself on that day or whatever other holiday you celebrate. You know, I just think daily consumption, no, I'm not a fan. Great. I totally agree with that. And I remember reading this stat that said something like for women who are drinking more than two glasses of wine a night, it increases estrogen by 250%. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And sometimes I feel like it's that last little crutch that needs to go. And women are have such a hard time letting it go, but it can be that one thing that moves the needle so much. Oh, exactly. And we should look at ways to kind of non-food boost ourselves up. I'm doing like a little 10-day detox. And you now it's pretty brutal because I will admit I'm Italian and I love food and I live for food. I'll admit it. Right. Uh, so I'm in denial. So I'm finding something fun to do every day. Like I'm getting a massage on one day. I got a facial. I'll do a pedicure. I don't know what else I kind of want to get outside of the beauty realm, but maybe I'll like ride horseback one day at a stable. And, you know, all of these things don't have anything to do with food. So I think, you know, just finding non-food ways to socialize, non-food ways to kind of give yourself a little boost is, is not a bad idea. Yes. I love that. So thriving in menopause and going back to Instagram again. Yes. It creeps you a lot, your Instagram and website. So you touched on actually a lot of things saying building up bile production, nutrient dense food, exercise, adrenals, liver detox, pursuing passion. So we've kind of spoken about a bunch of these. One of the areas I'd love to dive into is, well, two areas actually, exercise and also reducing your toxic load. So with exercise, you know, what do you typically recommend or maybe not recommend for women? Great, great. So I love the Dutch test to kind of inform what type of exercise we should do. And because, you know, we've probably all been there. We've been in the gym and, you know, we see women that look like, you know, they're in their, say, mid 40s or 50s. And, you know, they're kind of really grinding away on the elliptical or the treadmill and, you know, you never see them pick up a weight. They're just like kind of in burn calorie mode. Right. Well, there's probably a place for some cardio, but I think women in menopause need to really get comfortable in the weight room. They really need to get comfortable with things like Pilates. Now, maybe they need to get comfortable with things like high intensity interval training. What really helps guide that for me are the results of their adrenal portion of their Dutch test. Like, are you depleted? Because if you're depleted, maybe at most we're going to have you do is Pilates on a reformer or yoga or gentle walking in nature, not hit. But you know what? If your adrenals look robust and we need to lose some weight, then maybe you're going to do Tabata or hit and mix that in. So yeah, I think exercise is critical for just healthy aging, not even weight loss so much, but just for healthy aging. 
and moving the lymph around the body and for detox, but you don't want to put heavy duty exercise into a depleted body. So exercise is sort of like hormones, like too little is really bad. Too much can be equally as bad. Right. And especially with weight training, how important it is for bone density. And as we start to lose our estrogen too, it's so important to weight train. And I know so many women that are scared to pick up the weights and start training. And for me, it's definitely one of my ways to stress relieve. And it just feels so good for me to like feel really strong in my body. I think it's pretty empowering too. Yes. For, for women to feel like they can pick up weights. You know, I kind of jump around. I, I tried Orange Theory and I tried, you know, the bar method. And I actually do go to Pilates class. But my first and like love that I never lost was just give me like a couple of barbells and dumbbells. And I'm super happy. Yes. I love that. That's great. All right. So let's dive into reducing toxic load and what this actually looks like. Yeah. So I'm going to share one of the things I like and I'll share several. And if you remember, I think I said early on in this podcast is that I think I went into menopause at 47, which isn't horribly early. Although honestly, now knowing what I know, right. Liked my own hormones to stick around for say up until I was 50. For sure. I do think it was stress and toxicity. So the fact Act of the matter is there's no escaping it. We live in a toxic world. Do our bodies detoxify naturally? Absolutely. Absolutely they do. Daily, if not hourly, momentarily. You know, our liver, bile that we secrete is a major player in detoxification. It actually brings waste out of the body. So things that we can do to support this. So we can actually support our bile production. So eating like bitter foods. Bitter foods can be dandelion. I know not everyone likes that, but like I said, I'm Italian. so we, I can, love it. You know, oh, that's awesome. Dandelion and rapini. Oh my God, I could eat oh, it. Like yes, that. yes, yes. <laughs> so grapefruit is considered a bitter. And so I know like grapefruits right now in the winter are pretty abundant. Certain herbs are considered bitters. And, you know, when you get your bile to flow better, your detox is going to be better. Sweating is huge for detox. So if you can get a good sweat on via exercise, and again, now backing it up, making sure that you can exercise heavily enough to get a sweat, not everyone can, then that's actually really good. But even better than that, I think, is going into an infrared sauna. Yes. You will detox. I know of one naturopathic physician, fantastic guy, very, very, very good with all of his information. I think he's really cutting edge. And he actually goes so far as to say that you should not do like a defined detox program if you do not have access to a sauna. I was like, wow, that was pretty much. Wow. Yeah. He said, you will sweat out toxins. You'll also sweat out minerals. So regular sauna users need to replace with minerals. Right. Yeah. So that's good. You know, getting rid of nonstick pans because those are just flat out toxic. Mm -hmm. Replacing your plastics and storing in glass. I think plastics are fine for cold foods, but you know, you don't want to pour your bone broth or your hot foods into plastic. No way, no how. Right. The next on my list, and this has been a long process for me, uh, about three years ago, I got a whole house water filter, but the next thing on my list is going to be an air purifier for my bedroom. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You should check out Rabbit Air. Rabbit. Yeah. It's called Rabbit Air. It's the one that we use. I mean, we, we're in a small space right now. It's only like just over 800 square feet. So it's kind of cool the way that it looks because it almost looks like it's a piece of art that fits into you know, your furniture and whatnot. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And it really helps to purify the air and clean out toxins and whatnot. And you don't have to replace the filter that many times, maybe once or once a year, if that, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's a pretty great one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's next on my list. And then, you know, just getting rid of really obvious sources, like in the bathroom, like it's super easy. We've got so many lovely deodorants that don't have aluminum in them. You know, typically it's an antiperspirant that has aluminum, 
But, you know, using a natural deodorant, using makeup that doesn't have phthalates. So phthalates are a type of plastic and perfumes have phthalates because it actually makes the scent stick. And that's what kind of keeps it kind of smell and staying power. Now, look, I love Joe Malone. <laughs> I like this stuff. I'm a girly girl. I like it. If you cannot do away with your perfume, just like don't spray it on your neck. Right. <laughs> don't spray it on your thyroid. Spray it on your clothes if you absolutely can't give it up. Right. So yes, that's a good tip. Yeah. And then just like stuff that stays on the body. So like your creams and your makeup, you know, you want to make sure it's as clean as possible. And, and thankfully, like we live in pretty amazing times. There's like, there's several good companies that are making nice products. Amazing. Yes. And especially just doing something as simple as dry skin brushing is so incredible for your skin. And it's almost like it's natural way to moisturize your skin because it's slowing off all the dead yeah. skin. And here, like in the winters, my skin gets so dry and then the heat is on. So the dry skin brushing is is something that I always love to include this time of year. Yes. Yeah, so, so what you can do is actually dry skin brush and then sauna. And then obviously, so typically when I sauna, I will get pretty sweaty. And for those people that have a sauna, or, or even if you don't have a sauna, you can drink like a cup of detox tea. So it'd be dandelion tea, traditional medicinals has several like, you know, nice formulations. And then if you just check in your Whole Foods or whatever natural market, you can find dandelion based teas or nettle, all that good stuff, even just an herbal tea. And I'll just kind of drink that in the sauna and that'll like really turn up the sweat and the detox. And then, you know, showering afterwards, obviously, it kind of goes without saying, but you're pretty sweaty. You want to get that, right. those release toxins off and just making sure that, you know, you're, you've got like a nice soap that is, you know, clean and like Dr. Bronner's like, so people are being like, oh, soap is clean. Right. <laughs> you get one that, that just is real, really pure. There's just a couple of ingredients. That's awesome. And so you do your dry skin brush before you go in the infrared. When I remember, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Oh, I love that. We don't have an infrared sauna, but we joke how when we buy our house, it's going to be the first piece of furniture that we actually buy is our infrared sauna. Awesome. Yeah, so I can't wait to get one. There's actually one down the street here. My friend has a gym and I keep saying to myself, I got to go there. It's like literally walking distance to me now. So I love that. You know, you shared really simple lifestyle strategies. That's what you shared here. It wasn't anything complex and complicated, which I feel like so many women do when it comes to hormonal health, but it's really these foundational things that have to be in place before diving into something like maybe the bioidenticals or something like that. You have to have this foundation in place first. Absolutely. And that's basically because hormones don't exist in a vacuum. They go into receptors. They go into receptors on the cell membrane. We have receptors for estrogen on the breast, on the uterus, but on places like you would never even know, like the voice box, the optic nerve, these all have receptors for estrogen. And if those receptors need nutrients, and if you don't have those nutrients and you have just a buildup of toxins in the body, then your hormones are not really going to be able to appropriately connect with the receptors. So yeah, the lifestyle is That's so great. Well, what a really great tip there that you just shared there about the receptors, which I often find, and this is why I think the Dutch test is so critical because if you're just doing typical blood work, especially with hormones, I mean, with any testing, really, you can't see what's happening at the receptor site. But at least with the Dutch test, you have something that's a little bit more detailed and you can see the metabolites. True. True. Yeah. And I mean, there's still a place for blood work when it comes to hormone testing, but you're right. The only thing that will show metabolites is urine. You can't see it in blood. You can't see it in saliva. So yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes I pull bloods and I do a Dutch test at the same time. And I just, yeah. So that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing so many incredible insights with us today. Where can our audience find you? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. So, you know, they can just look me up Maria claps on Instagram. It's Maria underscore claps and that's C L A P S. And then my website is just my name. It's Maria claps and that's C L A P S 
com. Amazing. Well, I will be sure to link up your Instagram handle in our show notes. And then you also have an opt-in for your hormone test. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So here's the deal. There's four different ways to test hormones. And I give you the pros and cons of each one and the approximate price. And it's like a two pager. I'm not like giving you a downloadable ebook that's 25 pages to get right. to. It's a super concise guide. And I saw pros, cons, price, and verdict. On I love it. Four different methods of hormone testing. Yep. Thank you. That's great. It sounds really concise, which is perfect. So I'll be able to put that in our show notes as well. And then everybody can go there and download it. So thank you so much, Maria, for being with us today. It was a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Samantha. What a great episode with Maria. You can head on over to Maria's website if you'd like to learn more about her at mariaclaps.com. And you can also follow her over on Instagram at mariaclaps, expert hormone whiz. If you type in her name in Instagram, you will definitely find her. And you're going to love the things that she posts over on Instagram. And I really hope that you're going to implement the strategies and some of the tips that were shared in today's episode. If you've got further questions, other topics that you'd like addressed on a future episode, episode, don't hesitate to follow me and connect with me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie and let me know. And if you haven't yet left us a rating and a review, they mean so, so much to us. It really helps us reach and help so many more women. That's exactly what we want to do is help more women support their hormones and balance their hormones in their body. So leave us a rating and review over on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, wherever you listen to us. And you can actually take a screenshot of your review, email it over to info at holisticwellness.ca, and we will send you out our free three-day hormone balancing meal plan. Yes, just take a screenshot and send it on over and we will get you out that meal plan. And if you want to grab any of today's show notes, you can do so over at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 43. And don't forget, you guys get an amazing 15% off over at activationproducts.com. They ship to both the US and Canada, and you can save 15% off of all of their products. My favorite is the Oceans Alive, which is going to be like your rocket fuel multivitamin loaded with essential fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. It's really incredible for cellular support and inflammation. For all my autoimmune warriors out there, you are really going to benefit from this product and absolutely love it. You can also check out the perfectly pressed, amazing oils that they carry and the topical magnesium spray, which I've been spraying on my feet before bed. So the coupon code is HW15 for 15% off all of their products at activationproducts.com. Thanks everybody for tuning in and we will connect next week. Oh.